When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What's good, Internet? It is August 7th, 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 86. And for once, I have an answer to what's good. For once, I know what is good in the world. It is chicken. Is this chicken dinner we're feasting on? Patrick, we did it. Uh, so we, we've done it in the uh, canonical and non-canonical forms. We have, yes. We have, we have two chicken dinners, one for ourselves and one for crowbar and sickle. Yep. Uh, and it was, you know what? It was the most crowbar and sickle chicken dinner possible. For people who don't know what we're talking about, we've been streaming uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds for the last couple of months. We've done it 47 times. It was our mm-hmm. 47th episode, um, and we, uh, we we finally got our, our on-stream victory. I'm excited to go back later and watch it and read the chat and see everyone get excited. But it was the most crowbar and sickle win imaginable because it was. Oh, like- we were in a low place going into that. We had uh, <laughs> three or four different really short runs. Real short. Where- back. Runs. We made a, did not kill anyone. Made no real attempts to fight back. We mostly just rolled over and got shot in the face. Well, speaking uh, of rolling over, there was a point where literally the car we were driving in tipped and rolled over, and we almost like died there. Like the, the car was yeah. getting shot. And we managed somehow to so, tip like, we it back were able, over? like we fortunately the car tipped and we exited the car in a fashion where it became uh, a piece of cover. Exactly. We got in. You were able to it get us away. And somehow. even in escaping, we got shot at like three more times by different different squads. It uh it was uh it was it was something. It was something else. That was amazing. <laughs> and then we we ended up in a in a situation where the circle was closing in onto a city, onto Milta, and we had to do all this, like, running through the city streets of Milta as gunfire was coming in from every direction, and and we had to, like, we ended up in this little tiny set of, like, five houses and a little tower, and it was just us in this house and two people in the tower, and it was two on two, and they tried to run up on us, and it didn't, it didn't happen. Yeah, and we, like, picked, we picked a door to aim our guns at because if they came in the other door, they would have had... The jump on us, uh, mm-hmm. or at least we wouldn't have been able to react as quickly. And fortunately, the two of them went through the same door, and that was and, their mistake. Ah, uh, it was. <laughs> there's we were walk, we talked through the stream. We were talking through the other scenarios where it's not uncommon to get a chicken dinner and to win a match because by default, and yeah. by default I mean like let's say uh, you know there are three people left and you're playing solo and two people get in a firefight. One guy goes down. Uh, the other gets injured, and then he gets caught behind the blue wall. And in the final moments of a match, the blue wall is taking out, like, one-sixth of your health, yeah, it's like, every powerful. second yeah. or half a second. Like, you cannot last. Like, you you have to be pushed into the circle in order to have any chance to survive. Um, and so we thought for a second, while we're guarded in this house, there's two people left uh, other than us. Maybe they'll get in a firefight and then we'll win that way. And it still would have been fine. We would have celebrated. I would have counted, yeah. It but definitely would have counted. This but this is a so much good. more satisfying win we, because we, we actually and we each I mean? got a kill. We each got a kill. At the, at the, the final moments, it, it, it worked the way it was supposed to work. Ah, 
Ah, hot How does hot. it feel? How delicious is it? Is it a delicious chicken dinner? So, like, I've gotten a lot of, of, of off-stream dinners at this point. Not a lot. I've got a handful of off-stream dinners. It always feels good, but, like, this was very high on my list of things that I've done this year in video games. Like, <sighs> this really... I had, through this part of my year, in my own head, I'd already decided that my game of the year was Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like, like it was... A, it was it wasn't as close as I, I would let people think it was. Like, in my heart of hearts, I knew at the end of the day, Breath of the Wild was going to be my game of the year. That win makes me have to go th- actually start to rethink that. I don't know if that's, I don't know where I'm going to come out on the other end, but I've been gesturing that there was some sort of conversation in my head about what the, fir- the top two games of the year for me are. There hadn't been. Now there is. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm amped up. You can yeah, hear my and, voice. I yell uh, a lot. My voice hurts now. And what was satisfying about this win was, um, like, the other wins I've I've, I've been uh, party to, I feel like I've been, like, I, per- I participated, I helped, yeah. but I was definitely carried by people right. who were a lot better than me. Like, you and I have both gotten chicken dinners with Matt Pasquale, who is Shout just, out to Pasquale. he is an excellent shooter in that game. He he's is, so he is really fun to play with because if you're, like, one of us, kind of schlups, like, just working your way through the game, yeah. uh, he he is just so good and so commanding that he can kind of carry over the finish line, even as you're helping. Um, Will Smith was the same way. I was like, yep. ah, I mean, even though you can't drive worth shit, like you're still he has a good sense of of the map. He understands like where to go, and he'll and he's aggressive and assertive. He'll make a decision and do yep. it, and that's been great. But we had to just do this ourselves, Patrick. Yeah, oh. like the arc, like specific. Like I've enjoyed so much of this game, but the the like eighty hour or seventy hour arc. That you and I have had, like both on stream and off stream, culminating in this moment is, yeah. yeah like they're like it, when you like just if I was to sit down and distill rather than like my favorite games of all time, but just like personal like highlights moments of, like, moments, a, of an yeah. accomplishment. Uh, it is certainly at least right now in the top five. Like I don't know where it would settle. I have to think yeah. about that a little longer. But it is it is one of the most satisfying <laughs> things I've ever done in a video game in an early access video game. Yeah. that's only getting better. Except for the fact that the, these crates are coming out, or are out, people can buy them. You got some sweet yellow track pants. I discovered I did. that because <laughs> I use Steam primarily to redeem uh, codes I get for my job that I haven't purchased anything in a while. And so I was like, hey, I'll go buy something. And I did, and the game said, thanks for <laughs> buying something. Also, it's going to be 30 days where you can use the marketplace, which now means I'm going to have to use my uh, Battlegrounds battle points, yeah. which is the in-game currency, in order to get a crate. And then, again, there are multiple crates that they're doing for Gamescom, but some of the best stuff, the coolest stuff, is in these crates where you have to uh, pay at least 250 uh, to open the crate. To open the real, crate. Real dollars. Real dollars. Uh, $2.50. $250. $250. <laughs> real, tre- real treasury currency. And, $250, yeah. Uh, I'm now going to have to get you to buy it and then send it to me so that I can then op- use those keys to open the crates that I oh get boy. because for another month I cannot buy anything off the marketplace and this is going to really end funny. in like a week or two. You this is starting to sound a little sketchy, to yeah, be honest. I don't know if I would take him up on that, Austin. Like This is this is one of those I, deals where it's like, look, I just need you to front me. Like This is, this is a one-time offer. Like this, this is only coming around once. Just one key, man. Just one key. Me. Just give yeah. me one key. Yeah, I will get you back. I will get you back <laughs> to the next sale. I promise. You like you and I go back. Go back, crowbar and sickle. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, it's like yo, the but scene I need, from, uh, I need the wire. It's the we don't got a dream no more. We got real shit. And then awesome. that I need, look. I need those camo pants. They're, I was they're gonna look good on my butt. 
God. Oh. This is the meeting across the river, actually. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, of Crowbar and Sickle. God. Like, God. Yeah. All right. I'm going to. I'm going to send you one key after this call, Patrick. After we're done Yay. with this episode, I'm going to do I'm going to send you a key and you can open the crate. We'd open it tomorrow on the stream. Yeah, well, yeah, we well, yeah, definitely. Do. Oh, so I want those hot pants or I want <sighs> I want one of those pleated skirts. The skirts uh, look good. I got I, I got options. I got skirts options. Look good. It's a good skirt. It's, it's nice. There's purple There's some skirts. Good skirts. There's, there's some good oh, skirts. Oh, I like hot, a good purple skirt. The hot skirt. pants. Let me tell oh. you. Hot pants. I cannot wait to see. Oh, those hot Patrick pants. I, in those hot pants. Yo, if someone wants to, can you? So they can you buy? Oh yeah. And sell? Can you just straight up buy hot pants? Maybe I can just send you some hot <laughs> pants. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Can you buy individual clothing items on the marketplace? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. How much? How much are those hot pants going for? Right I'm now? A, I, I don't know. We should check. Is it two fifty? No, everything's two fifty. They're probably way more than that. Oh um, no, I'm I'm guessing they're like fifteen twenty dollars. That would be like my yeah, like the Steam Marketplace. You know this. You were on Idle Thumbs. The Steam Marketplace yeah. hats. It's a place. Hats cost money. There's things. You know. Um, <laughs> Hats cost hot money. Pants. True, true fact about capitalism. Uh, you know what? There's none on the marketplace yet. I think oh, that no. I don't think you're allowed to trade them yet. I think you can only trade them maybe once the event is over or oh, something. Patrick's very upset. I'm sorry. Getting those hot pants. <laughs> there's someone who has a buy order in for hot pants right now. Okay. So on Steam, when you want to buy something, you can either like, oh, there's one on the marketplace. I'll buy it, or you can put in a request to buy it. At oh, which point, can I, I, I want to do. Okay. I guess Patrick. I couldn't do that. I'd have to. Right, I can't, you can't buy do that it. either. Don't worry, because the highest buy order right now is two hundred and thirty-six dollars. Oh, so someone is going to spend two hundred thirty dollars on that's these. That's a hot lot pants. of money for hot pants. Uh, they're good hot pants. They're Here, look good at these hot, hot pants. pants. They're I I don't want to I mean, wear those pants are, in this game. They're but denim those are hot, hot pants jorts. They're hot pant jorts. That's a hot pant jort. With a belt with like a with like a, <laughs> with a nice, special belt. Like Odie Green canvas belt. Oh, Odie Green. I like that term. Yeah. That's good. Odie Green. It's olive draft. Oh, I thought you meant like Odie. Like, like oat, the Garfield character? Oat, uh, like Odie. No. Oat, like an <laughs> Odie. <laughs> like an oatmeal. Odie. Oh, God. That's what I thought. I was like, okay. That's... How's everybody else doing today? How you all feeling? Super. Yeah? Yeah. You seem super. I saw my favorite movie of the year yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The Dark you Tower. Over... No. <laughs> no. Nope. No. What'd you say? I it was move over James Bond, eat a dick, John Wick, because Charlize Theron is here and she dropped an atomic blonde on the world of action movies. Did you prepare this whole statement you just did? No. Did you look what in the mirror you know, this morning these notes and say, are about I got Uncharted this. 4. You can read it. Those are about okay. Uncharted 4. These I did not prepare Uncharted that. 4. That was a true statement mm. from my mind. Danielle has notes here uh, about <laughs> Uncharted 4 on the back of this Shantae half-genie hero uh, press Sometimes, release. That's how you get ready okay. for things. You take notes. You just seemed like it was a rehearsed thing you just said. No, that was... That was a wow, free that, was, that was an accusation, my man. That was some Meek Mill on bullshit. I'm just saying. Like, I, I didn't expect her to have that shit off the dome like that. Danielle's going to have to be dunking on you now for the next month. Like, I just trying to have like her phone out, like reading freestyle <laughs> on like, uh, the notepad app. I want you to know, I wasn't looking at anything. Here. Oh, can, yeah, turn around your computer. You can sh I'll show you. All this I is... had was the Wikipedia page for Atomic Blonde. Which right she's here. edited to include her script. <laughs> no, I have not. That says it right that here. Is that is untrue. No, That's not. false. That was, yeah. So what do you think you. of Natalia? You said favorite movie of the year Honestly, so far. Honestly, favorite movie of the year so far. Talk which is saying Atomic a lot because I liked Wonder Woman quite a bit. Yeah. And I, uh, several movies I like quite a bit. Well, first of all, this is an action movie. A really good James Bond-esque or John Wick-esque action movie. 
uh, starring Charlize Theron. She also produced, which makes a lot of sense because mm. she did all her own stunts and actually trained yeah. real martial arts, and it looks actually real, uh, which you can tell if you if you watch single take long fight scenes that actually have a lot of impact and looked very real. And I was like, oh, that's how you do an armbar. Right. Yes, that is the right way to do that kick. <laughs> I got very excited about that. But she plays, uh, it's in, set in 1989 Berlin, mm-hmm. very, very specifically, you wrote a piece on the site about how well the movie does place and space and like in a specific time, right before the Berlin Wall uh, came down, basically. Yeah. And, and the movie takes place around a couple of days of that happening. So there's already... This energy, like this youthful energy in the city, this incredible sort of, I don't know, moment of activism and moment of, of excitement and yeah. moment of like something stirring. Yeah, there's like uh, a recurring theme through not a theme, but like they, the the main characters who are all these like, you know, they're all espionage agents. They're all MI6 undercover, agents. Right, they're and, all like yeah. like. You know, uh, people who are working on both the east and the and the west side of the wall—they're all constantly like backstabbing each other, or like are secretly aligned with a different group, or There's secretly like aligned double, themselves. triple, quadruple totally. agent it's, kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly, and a lot on. of this stuff is is very like low key and subtle. But throughout the whole thing, there is a lot of just like, wow, these people who live here are amazing. Yes, like the emerging, you know, punk and new wave scene and hip hop scene in East Berlin, the kind of like young youth culture subculture scenes in East Berlin, um, who are like, you know, trying to find a way to live the most aggressive, like, powerful life they can Real under life, that regime. Yeah. And then, and then, just like the notion of of like, oh, these people are trying to move to their to their best life. They're taking risks to get across the wall, um, and they just that stuff is just like peppered in, in a way that I don't think is is I think it's it, it's done well. Like it's done in a way that that feels like they they weren't just using it as like spice do you know what i mean absolutely yeah um, it, to me it felt like a john wick movie which i like i don't really want john wick to eat a dick i want to make myself very clear here i like the john wick <laughs> movies you know, three accounts it says. just That's you know I john wick might fanfic. john wick I, might well, make maybe. someone else eat a dick to be right clear. that's fair <laughs> you know that's fair uh, but this felt like a John Wick movie with a lot of substance. Right. Whereas that, those movies are extremely fun. They're extremely Very stylish. stylish. And you should note, uh, one of the directors of the John Wick movies oh, yes. directed this. Let's see. Le- I, I got it right here in this Wikipedia Leech, page. L-E-I-T-H? Uh, yes, Leech. I don't know how to pronounce it. You got it right. The spelling is correct. Okay. It just had so much style and substance and yes of course part part of the reason i like it so much of course there's like a really awesome queer subplot in it which is great and exciting and also it's really lovely to see Charlize theron become like basically a really fantastic action star like she already kind of had those chops um we could see that in mad max totally uh which was fantastic and great but this is her playing Sort of a femme fatale who is like a better Bond than Bond in right. a lot of ways, right. uh, but actually has some feelings for people and actually cares about people in certain ways, but also is that kind of hyper-competent, incredible hand-to-hand combat, mm-hmm. speaks every language, is amazing, can do all the very the subtle espionage as well. The amazing fight scene at the center oh my of God. The, the final act of that movie is like... So incredible. good. There's just like this incredible long take, like single take. I, I'm sure it was a virtual single take. I'm sure there were like right. cuts in there. I'm sure there's some hidden. fairly invisible cuts, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it, upon watching it, it looks and feels like a single take, and it looks and feels <sighs> like a real fight. There's there's a way that people who are even incredibly proficient fighters get exhausted right. in it, which is both funny and also like 
Yeah, that actually yeah. gives that a it's lot so of weight good. that does not exist in a lot it's of other like, action. It's movies. her fighting these goons through this this like this apartment building that looks like it belongs in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Like <laughs> yes. it's just like there's just shit like a tarp on the floor, like yeah. old dolls, like it's just like Crappity. a shitty apartment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the fight just like rolls its way through the entirety from the top floor down, or like up the floors, then back down and the back floors. Down. And it's just an incredible like it's a mix of like gunplay and mixed martial arts in a way that is like you said, like I love how tired everybody gets. Yes. There's definitely like it it feels similar to what people thought about Die Hard. Um, in the in the eighties, when it was like, oh, wow, this is a movie where the action hero actually gets beaten up. Like she fucking you takes see blood, her you see like, you know bruises, cool. you see nasty stuff totally, starting to happen. Totally, so, yeah. I really enjoyed that too, and I, I think that Berlin as a city was really interesting there. Like I recognize that there is definitely liberty taken in order to kind of make it the cartoon version of Berlin at yeah. the end of the the Cold War that they wanted it to be, but also that's still an evocative space. I think the color in that movie was incredible. Oh, incredible the yeah. nighttime is always like beautifully lit by neon. Um, but not like not like bubblegum neon, like like the kind of like neo noir neon. Absolutely. Very good. I really liked it a lot. Um anything, anybody else up to anything? Rob, you've been playing anything? Um <clears throat> Yeah, I've been playing a, a few things. Uh, I guess the, the thing that's been sort of consuming my, my days of late is Battle Brothers. Oh, really? I hear that's good. Uh, it is good. Um but I'm also having like kind of a mild milkshake duck situation with oh, it no. a, a little Uh-oh. bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, Uh-oh. Like, Uh-oh. So Battle Brothers, like, and, and the funny thing is it was like one of those things where I was sort of able to hand wave away some stuff uh, when we talked Wait. about it on upcoming 3MA. And then I, uh-huh. but like something started to nag at me. I started really like paying closer attention. Uh-huh. And the more attention I paid, the, the more concerned I got. So just briefly, um, Battle Brothers is like a tactical RPG where you run a mercenary band or something? Yeah, like right. it's very much like uh, the good parts of Berserk uh, in oh, some ways, okay. if, if you know that anime. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's a lot about, it's a really bloody universe. Like your your soldiers are going to get killed a lot unless mm-hmm. you're going to aggressively uh, save and reload your way through this game. Uh, it takes place in sort of a mountain blade overworld. Okay. Um, and then for the tactical battles, it's a hex uh hex grid war game tactical rpg okay and uh it's sounds good re- so far it is really everybody good. loves like, battle <laughs> brothers the turn-based tactical rpg where you run a medieval mercenary campaign five minutes <laughs> the, later the Uh-oh. whole internet loves it yeah, uh, yeah. i don't know it is, but it is like when we say something is problematic i think this game is is kind of like kind of typifies that hmm. um so it's also trying for a very grim, dark, low fantasy uh, style. Like it's a little bit like medieval Germany, mm-hmm. but with vampires and undead. Okay, and so it's like fantasy. Apocalypses. Okay, yeah, but you will never like you're not magical fantasy people in this universe. Like you are just like workaday like mercenary stiffs, right? In a world that's like getting overrun. There's with, no Gandalfs. Like, there's just like Henriks. Yeah, if there is a Gandalf, you're not going to be working with him. Gotcha. Like, you might see Gandalf go riding by, <laughs> but, like, you will never be, like, you'll be the sort of guy who just, like, gets snuffed in, in the background of a Jeez. shot of, of one battle. Um, so the, the thing is, though, all your characters are basically, uh, the character art is going to be divisive. Like, your, your characters are kind of like these little busts, these little figurines on, on the battlefield. 
Um, and they're really impossible to tell apart. Like mostly you can tell them apart because of their armor and weapons that they're carrying, mm -hmm. which does a good job of surfacing that information, which is important. But the other thing is they're all like, they all have identical faces. Like they're all like <laughs> the same white dude. Yeah. Uh, just with like different haircuts, different colored hair, but like there are no, there, there's, there's no minorities in, in this game. There's, there's no, there's no women, uh, in, in the battle brothers company, uh, which, no battle Obviously, sisters. No battle sisters oh. at all. Even Warhammer 40k knew to bring in those sisters some at some point. Or right? it was regular Warhammer. No, they both had sisters. The uh, so it and it doesn't it like it's 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 kind of just like it is ignoring a lot of these experiences, which mm. the game is focused on tactical combat. Like I get why this is happening, but at the same time, then you start like paying attention to what the game does say, and I was like starting to get a little bit concerned, but mm. I was still really into it. And then I noticed. Um, I'm worried. So all your character types have like backgrounds. Sure. And so like an apprentice is like apprentices are good students, but they don't really know much yet. They get a plus ten percent to battle experience. Blah blah blah. Uh, woodsmen are good at swinging axes, and they tend to be brawnier. And so that sort of tells you what their natural aptitudes are. Sure. I'm worried. Uh -oh. Refugees. Oh, was no. one of the backgrounds. Uh-huh. And there was just this this line for the, the refugee background. Refugees lack the conviction to fight oh. for their homes. Oh, God. But are used oh, to God. long journeys and exhausting, uh, like, effort by this point. And I was like, huh. <laughs> like, a game made in the last few years, like, making sort of a blanket statement about the, the values of refugees, of refugees and yeah. who becomes refugees is not, like, a neutral thing. Um, there's another <sighs> character background, uh, Cripples, uh, okay. which the game is basically like, you know, they're kind you know, they're, they're kind of enfeebled, uh, not much good for anything, but you know, you can recruit them if you want. Good. Oh, wow. Good. And game. I think what the game is doing, the entire game has this really cynical, dark tone where it's mm -hmm. actually the game's perspective is of asshole mercenaries. Like right, right, in right. the few places where your character interacts with like normal people, you are aggressively not giving a shit about them or the people you're helping. The only people who matter is your company of battle brothers. And that is that, but how is that framed is what my question ends up being. Right. Because like, I think that there are games that have done, you are a group of shitty people that can frame it in a way that is at the very least, like meaningful. <laughs> Uh, that that doesn't just make it feel like it's the fantasy is you, that you get to be a shithead, you know? Yeah, and I don't like. It's not saying anything about it, but it's also not being like laudatory about it. So it's like okay. it's not taking a position. But at that point, and th this is why I say it's like a good illustration of like what it means to be problematic. Mm -hmm. It's not that like the game I think is going aggressively out of its way to be shitty. It does have a point of view that it kind of acknowledges is like kind of mean spirited and inhumane. But at the same time, what it chooses to include in that world doesn't include anything that really challenged that worldview. Mm -hmm. And at that point you're like, it's not really showing awareness. Isn't it therefore kind of tacitly endorsing right. a lot of, a lot of shittiness. Um, the, so I mean that that's that's the that, that's the place I'm at with it. And the, the other thing I want to say, it got me thinking a little bit just about hero narratives and um, how heroism has be like 
how stories about heroes and badasses like kicking ass maybe create like an intellectual expectation that like of course this is what people would do like this is what a good person oh. should do when confronted mm. with something and right. it's why you end up making shitty statements about people who have to flee their homes when mm-hmm. it's over overrun by warlords um it got me thinking about uh, the magnificent seven hmm. okay and the original or the most the recent remake Either works, but I'm talking about the original Yul okay. Brenner and yeah, yeah. all that. The, the good, the really good one. Yeah. And the Magnificent Seven is about a besieged town of farmers in Mexico or the southwestern United States uh, who are being terrorized by a bandit, and they pool their resources and they hire a badass group of gunslingers uh-huh. uh, to come and save their asses. And a big tension in the movie is that. The farmers aren't brave warriors. They're, that's right. why they need these people. Right. Right. Is they're they're peaceable people and they're not psychologically ready and they're not in, physically ready. They don't have the training to take part in a battle like this. They are being right. confronted with something that normal people, i.e., the sort of people who like are the audience for stories I, like you this, and me, right, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly, are yeah. not prepared to right. equip. And there's right. a character in the movie who kind of judges them really harshly for it. Uh, someone who thinks like farmers, like it turns out, he, you know, he's the hot-headed kid who thinks, you know, farmers are weak. You mm-hmm. know, strong people would pick pick up the gun and protect themselves protect and themselves, defend their right, right. defend their own. And the other gunslingers are basically like, eh, that's bullshit. Like, <laughs> like we we live a violent and horrible life because that's all we're we're fit for. But right. like, that doesn't mean we're better people. And that's kind of the adoption and. The and is the, is the thought that you then have that, like, that second step doesn't happen in games. That, like, we don't ever get the vision from the people who say... When you have to make a game in which you are playing as heroes, you are valorizing that because that's what the player does, and the player has to be valorized so that they keep playing the game and they feel good. And so there's never room for, like, the civilians to be like... No, our version of life is also totally acceptable, and that's what leads to framing refugees as... Shitty. If it's not yeah. bringing in some well, exterior baggage about the world. Yeah, and I think like there's. I think the thing in the Magnificent Seven is it actually captures the flip side of like if you have that mindset that like people who can't protect themselves and can't like uh, you know be violent to protect their homes and and their own. Uh, if you sort of adopt that mindset that people like that are weak and shitty and don't deserve anything <laughs> then that is explicitly the villain of right. that movie the uh, the last one of the last things the villain of the movie says is almost kind of a hey man why you gotta do me like this he asks the uh the magnificent seven basically he's like if god did not want them sheared he would not have made them sheep <laughs> and like and then you got to put that guy down but i right. think in a lot yeah, of, of course in yeah. a lot of hero narratives you end up kind of adopting that mindset yeah, of like yeah, yeah. well i would of course never let this happen to me and mine mm-hmm. because i know exactly how i would be in this situation yeah. and if you do get sheared then obviously you're sheep and you kind of had it coming and i think that's where battle brothers kind of unwittingly or tacitly ends up stumbling. Right. Um, and it's it's just made it's made a great game and it is a really good game. Like I highly recommend like like I think it is up your alley, but at the same time I gotta admit, like once I saw this stuff, I enjoyed it a little bit less and started right. like it's like when you're hanging out with a friend who you never know like when something really inappropriate is going to come out of their mouth. Oh, and there's yeah. that, like, should I even be here? Like, can, is this really sustainable? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of me playing Battle Brothers right now. 
Right. I think we're going to continue this conversation yep. in a second, but I want to <laughs> briefly, I just want to shout out the game that I played and actually actually got a victory in, which was uh, The Shrouded Isle I played. Uh, disclosure, art is by Erica Lahi, who's done art for us, and um, uh, uh, Tanya X. Short, who's written for us a couple of times, um, worked on it with Kit Fox Games. They made yes. Moon Hunters last year. Um, the Shrouded Isle is like a really interesting... Rob, you should play The Shrouded Isle. Um, it, is, it is a... Do you want the do you want the mechanics pitch or do you want the the setting pitch? Do you want oh, the give me the pitch? setting? All right, the mechanics. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll just read like it's a very good lore cell on the the Steam page, just in their little mini thing. Your Excellency, you must prepare for the awakening of our Lord. He hungers for a human sacrifice every season. Oh, sinners try to hide their dark secrets, but all must be purged. You play a sort of uh, kind of cult who lives off on the shores of this of this in my mind european or maybe you know uh north atlantic uh mm-hmm. uh seaside um who worships the dark god chernabog uh who is supposed to be resurrected after 500 years of darkness it is year 497 <laughs> you have three years left and you have to just keep your fucking town on track um and the way you do on that track for what to, to make sure that they don't become sinners, that they don't that they don't okay. lose focus. We're so close to the resurrection of our Dark Lord, uh, and you have to. The way you do that is every season you have to uh, elect five people, uh, one from each of the the noble families in town, to be your advisors, and each one is in charge of something. So, like one of the the, the Kagani family is in charge of keeping people ignorant. The the Yosefka uh, uh, family is uh, in charge of building monuments and and raising fervor for the Dark Lord. Um, and you have to balance a bunch of stuff. Like first of all, you have to balance the loyalties because the the thing that happens is at the end of every season you have to kill one of your advisors, <laughs> uh, which means that like the the Yosefka family is not going to be pleased if you killed one of their advisors, especially if they didn't do anything wrong. But here's the secret. Everybody did something wrong. It's just a matter of knowing how bad the thing was. Um, And so you can kind of, it's kind of a resource management game with a really beautiful coat of paint in which what you're doing is trying to identify people, what they're good at. So like maybe you'll find somebody who is like, um, uh, they are not just, um, not not only do do they do stuff with obedience, but they have the lawful trait, which means like when they're trying to enforce the laws, like they really enforce the laws. Uh, but maybe they also have the artist trait, which means that they are not into ignorance so much. And that is a major sin. And when you sacrifice them, it's not such a big deal because everybody knows artists are outlawed. Uh, it's like a very fucking grimdark game also um, <laughs> that is – the thing that I like about it is that it is the opposite side of what um, – most cosmic horror, Lovecraftian horror does, like most Lovecraftian horror does the thing that's like, there are things in this world too dark and too strange for us. That, what are the limits of human rationality? What are the things that, that and also because Lovecraft is terrible, often it's just the answer is uh, black people. Uh, not often, a couple of times. The answer <laughs> of what is dark and terrible in this world is black people. Um, but what, the, what actually resonated with me with Lovecraftian horror always has been the limits of human reason. That there are things that do not add up. That there are, are things that the world does not make sense. Um, there are horrors too great for our minds. Uh, the thing that I like about this is it kind of flips it and says like in, in – there are things that we believe to be so good that we cannot understand them and we will do anything to get them. 
uh, even if that means slowly purging an entire village. Like, <laughs> I got my win, and one of these families was down to two people. It started with seven, and like bit by bit, like I guess y'all had a bunch of sinners. Sorry, and there are these, there are times, there are seasons when it's like. You know, all you were, were you were just curious. You were a curious person, but that's enough for me to kill you right now because I don't want to upset the Caldwell family because then they'll rebel. It's like a very – it's gorgeous also. It's a very striking, like, monochrome, two-color It's thing. like neon yellow and navy blue. Yeah, it's or there's really other cool – there are actually looking. other uh, themes that you can set up. Oh, there's like wow. a darker – there's like a deep navy blue and a slightly lighter blue, and then there's like a maroon, like a blood wine one. That's oh, really the, the default aesthetic looks like a Game Boy game. <laughs> it does. Yes, it totally bit, yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, with like super high res art, but like the yeah. like the yes. like the, the like the palette is reminds um, me of an, uh, an original Game Boy. And the thing that ends up being good about it really is just it was one of those games we talked about getting better in Battlegrounds, but like. I felt myself getting better every single run, and the runs are pretty quick. You can play a full game of it. You can lose a full game of it in five to ten minutes. A win <laughs> is only 40 minutes or so. And so, like, I played for five minutes and lost and didn't understand what the fuck was going on. And then five games later, I was playing for 20 minutes, and I'd finish around and be like, all right, I'm making progress. I can do it. I can get back in. And over the course of two days, you know, I spent three or four hours and then finally got like the good true win the true ending the true win the true terrible win which is <laughs> as you might imagine a dark, dark lord real pleased. bad oh the dark lord was very pleased the dark lord was very pleased and the art was fantastic when when uh the dark lord arrived so that's what i that's what i've been doing over the weekend also more heat signature which i want to stream at some point this week because it's so fucking good um all right i think i think that's all we've played well, I played Uncharted 4, but we can talk about that you next time. You want to talk time. about that on... Well, we can talk about it next okay. time. We got we got territory to cover. Yeah, and I'll be able to, on Friday, talk about... Um, what well, You guys must have talked about Tacoma on Friday, right? I didn't get a chance to play it, so no. Oh, Same. All right. Tacoma, and then uh, later this week, I'll be able to talk about um, the new uh, Ninja Theory game, Hellblade. Uh, oh, awesome. Set of a Sacrifice, which I'm... I'm going to try to play through. through Tacoma by Friday, then, because it's, it's like what? You definitely can. It's two, it, between two to five you're hours? You're looking at like three to, three to five hours. Max. All right, cool. Three to five. I'll set right. off some time and, and try to get through it, maybe. Um, so, there was a wild weekend. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. I guess, I guess my question... All right, so how do we even go into this? Well, I guess we should start with, like... The statement? The statement. Right? Yeah. So basically the, the factual statement here is that Chris Grant, uh, who is the EIC over on at Polygon, shout outs to Chris Grant, says, I've heard the allegations uh, regarding Nick Robinson and I'm taking them seriously. Nick has been suspended pending a thorough Vox Media inquiry. Um, and for, I think, a lot of people uh, that came as a big surprise. Uh, I think maybe a lot of people don't. A lot of people maybe listening to us actually don't even know what that any of that means, right? Um, or even who Nick yeah, Robinson let's start is. From the beginning. Right, right. So Nick Robinson is a is a producer, a video producer over at Polygon. He'd previously been at Revision Three. Uh, he'd done his own YouTube stuff before that, and he'd been actually, I guess, he was a Giant Bomb intern years. And he years was an intern ago. with uh, Ben at the same time that uh, uh, Matt Kessler, right. who's Matt now Kessler. at Sony, and uh, Ben Pack, who now right. <laughs> now works now for Giant, at Bomb. Giant Bomb. Yeah. Um, they were a trio of interns uh, when right after I started, I believe. So a number. Oh, of so years wait, did ago. you did you so were you, you there you when they them. were there? Yes. Yeah, I, oh, I okay. worked gotcha. uh, alongside uh, Nick and uh, Ben and uh, Gotcha um, and Matt for a little while there. Um, so that that statement came out. I, I guess now what people might know him for is videos that he does at Polygon. Uh, Carboys. Carboys was yeah. a really big one. A lot of stuff with Griffin. A lot of stuff with Griffin, Cool of, Games Inc., yeah, yeah. a podcast that I've been on. Um, like their stuff like that. So uh, those allegations bubbled up after. There's a very strange 
sequence here. Very, very like hard to follow sequence, I think, from the outside. I saw a lot of confusion. Yeah. Lots of people got in touch with me. I'm sure they got in touch with you and, and said, like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, last week, it came to, to light that the this is the strangest arc. Yeah. It came to light that the, the switch port of the game Overcooked mm-hmm. uh, was not up to snuff. Or a lot of frame people, rate issues. From a lot of frame rate issues. Uh, and the publisher... Nick filed a bug report, I guess, and the publisher reached out and said, had a had a, a you know a, a template letter, had a, a form letter that basically said, you know, thanks for getting in touch. Could you provide video of how it's breaking so that we know what to do? Um, and that over the course of a day, like, sparked... so he screen capped that and right. put it on yes. Twitter. Sorry, uh, so Go ahead. no, it's all right. So so it was publicly seen that he was kind of saying like, oh, here's what you know, like I have time to. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but totally. it was sort of throwing a little yeah, shade yeah. at the publisher, Definitely. saying, like, I'm not going to take video for you in QA testing. Right, I'm not going to do your job, right. basically. Yeah, and like, to, like, in further context, like, a lot of Nick's uh, uh, Twitter is, like, extremely sarcastic and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. With a bit of a mean edge to it, which is a little contrasted to, I would say, like, the his more video personality, the stuff you yeah. see with Griffin, which is, like, very, you know... Personable. Uh, and personable and fun and... Uh, goofy. And goofy and weird in a in a, in a fun inclusive way, um, and like there was specifically a response where someone said like it was a, it may have been a developer I'm not sure but that said uh, like hey man like they're just trying to fix well, their game. Somebody didn't land in I can um, tell you that yeah. you have a right to be upset <laughs> and I think like his response was more or less I'm paraphrasing but like fuck you. Um, yeah, I was so get was, fucked Landon. Get fucked Landon. Yes, yeah, get that fucked was Landon. The... Um. Uh, and I, to be fair, like lots of people were like going hard at Nick over it, and then other people, people in the development community, were like, "Hey, like it actually this is this is a pretty common thing. Like we're a small team. <laughs> how else are they help. supposed to know how the game is yeah. broken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that conversation very quickly spiraled off when people who were dunking on Nick for this for throwing the shade uh, alluded to uh, inappropriate behavior. To specifically to I, the word nudes was thrown around, which if you're not up on our lingo, if you're like a 38 year old dad and like what is what is sliding into DMs, what are nudes? Right, they're, they're nude pictures. There's a lot of like millennial talk. There is a lot going of millennial on talk here, here. So yeah, um, straight and, talk with millennials. And there were lots you know. of like broad allegations that were not. They're not very many specific allegations. Um, at first. At first. Well, I think well, even, even now. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, so as someone who's like completely on the outside of this, and like my my primary engagement with video games outside of like reading stuff is is podcasts. So this is not like right. territory that's familiar to me. I don't really know Griffin and Nick's uh, like video work that much, but it was striking that like people started like alluding to stuff that was out there, and it was in the, uh, this very like knowing. It's very familiar from from the way, just the way people talk on Twitter, any group of like wide like social acquaintance. It was this very knowing, like, referring to things that were, like, common knowledge, but, like, nobody ever right. talked about publicly. And so there's kind of this, like, what? Wait, like, is there a huge thing that everyone is in on that I've never heard of? And that's kind of how it seemed. Right. I think that the answer there is yes and no. Right? The answer is obviously not everybody. Right? Like, you didn't know about it. Lots of people were very surprised that any sort of allegations like this were there. Should For probably other... clarify a little bit about the nature of the allegations. Well, that, uh, in the terms thing is, of, of like basically alluding towards sexual harassment. Sexual harassment is definitely yeah. what the what I think is the broad, right? Uh, the kind of broad category under which the allegations were gesturing towards. Yeah. But that's the thing is like at the time that Chris Grant came out and made that that Still, statement, some people didn't know what it was referring. No to. No one yeah. person had said 
Nick Robinson is a serial sexual harasser. Like, no one had right. said that phrase, right? right. Um, and so there was lots of confusion around it. Uh, and partially that's because for a lot of people, and I admit myself included, like there was a degree to which some of this was known previously. Um, you know, we, we actually, Patrick, I know you'd been working on a story around this all weekend, basically, uh, that we are kind of putting on freeze for now. I talked to senior vice editorial about this. It's a, it's a story that we want to cover, uh, but we were pretty much instructed, like, wait until the Vox investigation comes to a close. Like, that's what you can report on here. Um, there are conflicts of interest at play uh, around relationships with people involved in the wider story. It's, it is, I like, straight up is frustrating because I look on the website, I look on, on Google right now, if I search Nick Robinson scandal, Nick Robinson sexual harassment, what's going to come up is a Reddit thread. A Reddit thread, a there's like Taco and Action thread. threads. Taco and like, Action threads. There's oh, yeah. a NeoGAF thread, there were like threads yeah. on Twitter that right. have That NeoGAF like, thread ended up being kind of okay, surprisingly. The, yeah, if, you, if you actually want to, like, honest. yeah, the, the original post in that NeoGAF thread, which is now locked yes. because it's spiraled off into people talking about why people voted for Trump. Um, of course, of course. Has, uh, yeah. has uh, some of that, and specifically that, uh, that post... Um, which was, you know, a little of what I had hoped to do was to try and give people context for sort of yeah. like what is happening so they can wrap their head around it. And it also very specifically um, does not uh, does not include uh, sort of like locked accounts and screenshots of right. certain people that had been yes. begun to share things. They were getting uh, shared wider in a way that they did not feel comfortable with because there's been a, an obsession um, as this is broken with that I think is natural for people to feel, which is, uh, well, they've been called receipts, which is a reference to a meme that you yeah. can go right. look up on your own. But essentially people are looking for sort of <laughs> de definitive proof of what happened as opposed to shade, allegations, right. uh, uh, vague uh, the, comments. The point that you make that about locked accounts openly saying stuff is actually a really interesting one for covering something like this and, and for for our current moment in yes. which there are people who have locked accounts but still have lots of followers on those locked accounts. Which we should probably even say, like, if you're not, like, super into Twitter, right. a locked account means it's not public and you actually choose who can see it. So maybe it's for 10 friends or 15 friends. Right. And like, or 100 so, so a, friends or, or 200 friends. Whatever number you want, right. you have to approve, basically, who can see it. So right. that's just, just to know it's, it's basically like... A type of you and can that, think of it as a type of like group exactly, chat or exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and then and that's the thing Private that gets, gets tricky too is like, you know, as journalists, we have access to information that we know we could report on. I can report on this Chris Grant statement. It's made right. on his public. public Twitter, right? I can report on if someone gives us a statement on the record, we can report on that statement. Um, there are stuff in private Twitters that. You know, I, I don't even know that I would want to report on it, but like, oh, this is a thing. It's like, oh, a lot of people saw this accusation that is. Cl more clear than what was out on public Twitter. And so stuff like that is what can lead someone like Chris Grant and Polygon to make decisions right. uh, regarding things like taking steps of, of suspension and, and further investigation. Um, and it, there's, there's a whole mess involved there, especially when it comes to legal action versus... Yep. Uh, you I mean, know, what, what may be an extra legal <laughs> detail, basically. That has been another sticking point, I think, for this conversation <laughs> yeah. with a lot of people who are saying like, he deserves the benefit of the doubt. He deserves, um, you know, the innocent until proven guilty. And like one of the things that I see a lot of people coming back to is that debate right there. And it's like, well, the court of public opinion is not the court of law. No one is locking right. Nick Robinson up. 
but you're allowed to have feelings about a person separate from what you would do to them legally. Right. Um, and that is, that is a, 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 I guess, a complex thing because we do hold it is that, pretty complex. that yeah. notion of being innocent until proven guilty very firmly, uh, or at least some of us do. But, but I think there's a key difference between those two things. Well, and you have, uh, if, you, if you look through, like one of the things I was doing this weekend was sort of name searching for him to kind of get a sense right. of where his, yep. his fans were um, because... I mean, if you look at Nick's follower count, it, you know, is dwarfed by a lot of other people. But um, similar to the McElroys, like Nick's uh, had a lot of very dedicated fans. Like one good way to like to judge like sort of like a fandom is on any random tweet, just see how many faves they get. And like mm-hmm. most of Nick's tweets get like thousands of them for even the most innocuous sort of statements. And so I was curious how those fans were reacting and so there are there are like sort of let's call them uh, shitlords um, who yeah. who just who just fall, want to die on the hill of innocent yep. until proven guilty, which yeah. is not as uh, black and white or as clear as you want to make that sound. Um, and then there's the more complicated, which I think actually might come up in a question uh, that, that 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 you had uh, Austin had talked about that someone had mm-hmm. submitted. But like, what does a fan do when their natural tendency is I don't want to believe this person did the thing that they are being uh, accused of. And so my feelings are, I hope they are innocent um, because I want to continue enjoying the things they made, the things they may make in the future, because if it turns out to be true or is a shade of true or whatever you know it, it, direction it goes in, you know, can I continue to enjoy that? You know, like a lot of people went through that right. with, with Bill Cosby. I'm not comparing those scenarios. I'm just saying right, sort right, of right. a public figure in which what happens to the art of the artist when their personal life becomes extremely complicated and messy. And I think I understand the hesitation of a lot of fans that go, ah, like, because I I actually saw a lot of very reasoned fans that were like, I hope he's innocent, but if he's not, that makes my relationship really complicated. I don't know if I can enjoy Mm -hmm. that content anymore, but I understand their initial hesitation to just be like, because anything that you love when it gets fractured in this way, like that's that sucks. Like that's I, like I don't know that I can watch a Woody Allen movie again. Right. right? Like I right. there's a point at which I got old enough and clued in enough to be like, ah, fuck, no, I can't. Like right. I, I grew up loving Woody Allen films, and like, uh, and that's a decision you have to make for yourself. We've had that conversation before. We yeah. I've brought out my favorite John Darnielle quote about like, like we've done that that route of like, what right. about shitty creators? Um, I think it just it's extra. It's been extra interesting to me to watch because so much of that fandom is progressive, is uh, you know very forward thinking, is very you know willing to listen to to victims who come forward with their stories, um, and it's been frankly a relief to see that a lot of those fans have said like you know what like this is shitty uh, and and it, I'm frustrated that this has happened and not closed ranks and said not our boy, right. um, which which partially I think also comes from. Things that like Griffin made a statement about being very frustrated and upset about about uh, about Nick basically. And to, Matt Kessler, and to both uh, Matt ben Kessler Pack, and Ben Pack made yeah. statements that were not again sort of specific. Here's what happened, or here's why I'm upset. Right. But there are the people who, are, you know, some of the people closest to him were very public about their discomfort. Right. And I think for me, one of the larger things that this gets to is it's a reminder about. Where what we think safety looks like, yeah, um, and about kind of what a relationship I think with content creators is in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Like this to me, the thing that this reminded me of were a number of YouTube 
YouTuber scandals over the last few years. I'm thinking about people like Alex Day and other YouTubers who draw people in largely because they are really warm and they seem like the boy next they, door. They kind seem of like thing. the boy next door. Yeah. They're going to yeah. read Harry Potter with you. They're right, going to right. like make jokes about your favorite underground anime and like and do it in a way that is not aggressive and that is not about convincing you that you are you know an object uh, of desire for them. Um, and then. On, and once that 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 kind of opens things up, then there can be really aggressive behavior. There can be manipulative behavior. There can be sexual harassment, and like um, that stuff is one of those things that we need to get good at looking for and recognizing the signs of. Uh, it's a weird thing to have. Like I said earlier, like it's not a thing we're writing about right now, partially because there was a degree of conflict of interest. Um, there was a degree of, of, as Rob mentioned, like it seemed like certain people knew some things. Like I, I can say openly, I've known some shit about Nick Robinson for a while now. I've had like knowledge of like, oh, hey, he's done some creepy shit. But the people who I've spoken to who've been involved in that have not wanted me or other people to be public about that information for lots of complicated reasons, which you have to you have to honor that request when that happens. Um, but it it opened up a sort of vision for me of looking at not just Nick's behavior, but other similar sorts of behavior in the world, the war, the wider world beyond games, happening in comics, happening again in YouTube, happening in in fan comics, happening in in you know all sorts of different uh, kind of creative spheres of like oh. What is the power relationship between a creator and their fans? What is the power relationship between a creator, you know, at a publication or at a, you know, in a media outlet versus freelancers, you know, versus other people who are just kind of like trying to get by? And that stuff is a mess. And like it's it's clued me into that sort of manipulative and and really just gross behavior in which the power dynamic is used to to benefit somebody and to silence other people. Well, And it's it's also. Oh, go ahead, Daniel. Well, I was just going to say it's it's very complicated and also illustrated to me something about the nature of celebrity mm. and the nature of you know the the whole cult of personality that that is 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 what game journalism is now in a right. lot of ways. Right. It's it's doing podcasts, it's putting yourself out there, it's having a Twitter presence, it's it's all of these things, which are now equated and especially in this sort of very grim way potentially to celebrity and things that yeah. celebrities have done and powerful, you know, like powerful men have done to women for a for, long time. For this ever new. and ever. Right, There's exactly. nothing new whatsoever right. about it. But the fact that, oh, the cult of personality in journalism feels like a new thing and it's like, oh, all these old problems are, of course, going to come up totally. and, of course, going to be unfortunately and, and how do we deal with it? I mean, how so, do we deal with it in uh, a good way in a in a positive way right. is, I'll read one of these questions which, yeah. which I think can help us pivot to another question a sub question inside of what you just said which is um, anonymous writes in recently there's been a minor scandal in the games journalism community regarding sex minor um, regarding right, yeah. Sexual harassment. What sort of steps can the community take to prevent this? Is there a reason why this behavior is allowed to continue for so long? I was forced to drop out of a study abroad program because of sexual harassment, and I've always harbored a bit of animosity towards friends of the harassers. It was also uh, it was also widely known that he was a creep. He, he in this case, being this person's harasser. Uh, I know that it's tough to call out friends, and I don't want to accuse or assume anything about anyone. But isn't there a bit of scrutiny due uh, due to those who spent forty hours a week with someone um, from anonymous? And I guess like, the first thing I want to say is part of what sexual harassers do is hide themselves in plain sight, yeah. Um, uh, build alibis, uh, make it seem impossible for that to be the thing. Work, and in, again, gray, like, work in gray areas in yes, which yes. Like, there, there can be, two, you know, there can be two sides. 
And I mean, so in the time since this started happening, other stuff has come out. Uh, people have come out and said, shown quote unquote receipts, shown their DMs with with Nick, in which it is him suddenly becoming very sexually aggressive after that not being a, uh, a an element in their conversation. I can't vouch for the obviously for the validity or the the veracity of those DMs. Like I can't. I haven't seen all of those things, but that is what is shown there. And part of what is important about recognizing there is in this current version of this thing that's happened for a long time of men manipulating celebrity, of people manipulating celebrity to to assault and harass other people. Um, in this one case, the thing to think about is in our space, there is this line of social progressivity – uh, uh, kind of sexual uh, progressivity, the notion uh, of sex positivity, which I think is fundamentally good, yeah. can also be used by people to prey on and pressure people. It's a performative in, in wokeness. Ways. Yeah, performative it is. Wokeness. Performative wokeness. Performative yes, wokeness exactly. is exactly it. And the second that that that, that turns from being performative to being uh, once the the clock comes off, oh, it's it's the fucking worst, and it's yeah. the worst because it hurts people. Well, first and foremost, the yes. highest, most important thing is it hurts people, and the second thing is that it does damage to the notion that we should live in a world of sexual uh, positivity, that we should live in a world of progressive politics, and it's just like this terrible double. That gut poly punch. relationships can be healthy and normal, and right. sane, right? And, and exactly. A good thing. Exactly. Yeah, right. Sure. Um, and it's one and of those things that, like, as uh, you know, I, th- I think all of us have. Uh, as you know, that actively sort of participate in the cult of personality, like totally. to, to to be uh, particularly blunt about it, because that's just the nature of how we sustain our careers in 2017. Mm-hmm. One of the things you learn or try to learn or be responsible about as your uh, sort of like your influence grows is like the power that you do wield. Like you yeah. wield an enormous amount of power in all sorts of ways. Like a a basic thing that I've learned over the years on Twitter is like. You know, it feels very easy to target your followers at people over something, right? Like, and I've mm-hmm. made mistakes in the past over stuff like that that totally. I've had to learn from because I have to realize, like, you can't, you can't do things like that. And that uh, that power and that power dynamic and that power and that influence is part of becoming one of those people and realizing those social and power dynamics. And yeah. that's what scares me about like this. There used to be a much clearer line between sort of like the power dynamic was very clear, right? Like you, even if it was uh, 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 violated, um, it at least was visible in a way that doesn't feel visible in the age of social media in which the like – it is now cool to pretend that power dynamic doesn't exist, that we right. are all the same, right. that we are all oh, you on could the just same reach level. Out. Listen, my DMs are open. You can reach out right. and message yeah. me about some stuff. Oh, you didn't like this article? Let me know. Oh, you saw a typo? Let me know. Oh, you're in town? Let me know. And I and, like, do all suddenly, of those things, like, because, like, those, so a lot of those things are useful to me. Right. Um, but it, it, it what, what that, it, what is, especially when you start talking about, like, age gaps and, like, yep. um, communities on Tumblr and Instagram that are not, old enough to understand power dynamics that's how predatory like practices work like that's how predatory yeah um that's how being a predator works is taking advantage of the fact that people are not aware of power dynamics and we live in an age now where it is easier to do that than ever it is it is easier to make that invisible more mm-hmm. than ever and that's 
that's terrifying. That is incumbent on the person with the power dynamic to realize they 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 have totally. the power because and the people below them may not necessarily be aware that they are being taken advantage of. It can be very hard also for the people around that person to know that they are taking advantage of other people. Right. Because they're not doing it, like, at work. They're not doing it in their same social groups. Like, the the problem with celebrity is that it opens up this whole new pool of people who can be targeted because they are they like the content that you make they like right. the videos that you make and they are not ever going to come into the office they are never going to be seen by the people who who maybe have like a weird gut vibe about about uh, a person you know like no like there's not they're never going to see something that they can then act on um, and who knows like I just I don't know what happened inside behind Polygon's closed doors I don't know if somebody had ever said hey mm, like be careful you know or, or hey HR be aware um, because there are limits to what that sort of that can what can be done before for, for more formal allegations do come forward and it's just like it's so frustrating because you want it to be as simple as yeah i've heard bad things about this dude i know bad things about this dude from people i trust let me push that forward and then action will be taken and it's just like at every level there are, there is stuff that pressures that from happening yeah, I can I can say from a completely utterly divorced from this experience yeah. as sexual harassment experience I had at work that was incredibly clean cut. Like mm-hmm. I was I'll just say I was groped at work by a, a coworker once. Uh before even before I was full-time in games. Sure. And it was even even as clear cut as it was, it it's other still... workers were present saw what happened. Mm-hmm. I still felt really bad and never wanted to be like in the hallway with that person until they were they were fired right. in, in my case. And like it was just it was horrifying. And I even felt bad. I was like, oh, this person's gonna get fired because of me. Right. I there there's a whole complex That's sort such of a gamut thing, right? of emotions and it's incredibly yeah. common. And it's one of those things where it's like it it is good to talk about these things and have these things in the open and think about ways to move forward and protect people and and encourage right whatever we can in, in, a, in a positive way because I understand from a very personal experience it's hard to talk about this shit and and not totally. feel like oh and now I made it weird and now I've like created this weird dynamic in, in a group and, you know and, and you know towards anonymous's question about like what steps do we take I am thrilled that Polygon is taking this seriously yes. is holding an investigation um, made the choice to suspend Nick until that investigation is, is over and who knows what happens from there but like that is already a huge step and hopefully sets precedent for when this if this happens again yeah and and frustratingly when this happens again because people will remain to uh, predators they will keep taking advantage of power dynamics and the hope is that bit by bit that becomes it becomes more and more clear that it's not welcome here um yeah that publications don't want to work with people who do that and that there is just no place for it um and i mean we'll see but that for me is one big step and as the in on the community side being you know supportive of that process being open with the fact that like maybe your fave is more than just a little problematic it can be tough to do that but like that is part of how we push towards uh, the best possible outcome here is not to try to protect you know the person whose stuff that you love you know if I ever like hit somebody with a car and drive off into the night <laughs> like or whatever fucking if they arrest me I need y'all to know. I deserve to go to jail if I hit somebody with a fucking car or whatever. And drove away. And drove yeah. away, right? Like, <laughs> like, not in Battlegrounds, it's fine, right? In, battle, yeah, right. in Battlegrounds, it's, well, in fact, it's, it's going to make... 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Those streams here. weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no! It sure is. Oh. Right, well, that goes to Andrew's there question. Who wrote in and said, I was deeply engaged with a gaming community that's been torn apart because of one of its creators was recently outed as a reprehensible human being. That's Andrew's words. Uh, only a few days ago, I was a huge fan who interacted with the community, with the community Twitter and subreddits as part of my daily routine. And now I feel sick at the sight of any of this person's content. So, in the aftermath of all of this, how do I handle the love I had for content that I uh, that came from what I thought was a good or at the very least decent place? Do I delete all of the fan videos and art I poured my soul into and felt giddy pride in when the person retweeted? Uh, is there a way to distance the author from the work when their work involves their voice and personality? Uh, a way to leverage the, the shame I now feel for ever being a fan? Where does the community this person left behind go from here? I mean, don't feel bad for liking the content yeah. before. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't shame yourself for not having information you had no access to. Like that right. is that is that is not incumbent this on you, is the not fan, situ- right. to 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 put that burden on yourself. Like this was this was like an inside inside baseball type situation. Right. We're like. Real talk, like I don't know what people at Polygon knew about Nick. Like, I don't know how spread those rumors, or not even rumors, how, how spread that talk was. I know that not every, Rob is like was shocked by a lot of yeah. this. Even though I think Danielle, you and I were like, yeah, uh, yeah, uh-huh. some, yeah, knew some of this was coming. Um, and so, so you should really understand that you were, if you were just a fan, I, I don't think that there's anything here to hold yourself like uh up against the wall too like you didn't you didn't fuck up because you liked car boys right you couldn't have known that right um moving forward is the hard moving part. forward is the hard that's part that's the really hard part uh to to sort of parse yeah I, it's i guess the thing for me is the thing that i would say is that stuff that you did then you should still be proud of it on its merits you, if you did rad fan art, if you made fan videos, if you did animations for Cool Games Inc., if you hopefully you learned you, skills right. and did Think something good came out of as that. As bridges yeah. towards stuff that you're going to make in the future, right? Like you worked your creative muscles in a way that is valuable in and of itself. Um, the fan communities for those shows did really incredible, fun things that like interacted with the creators in ways that were really rad at, at the time, um, and. I think what you can do is go forward and keep making different stuff. Like try to find a way for find creative outlets for things that are that are you know uh, just as fun for you. I, I but also I think maybe let yourself have this down period where it feels shitty. You're allowed to feel shitty. It's a thing that I think we don't get told a lot. Yeah. You're allowed to feel caught up on this for a little while. You know. And you're allowed to be blindsided by it. Totally. Too. Like don't. Yeah. It's. It is a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and related to that, related to the sort of like the intensity of the fandom, because I think that's like like a critical mm. aspect of this yeah. story um, is the intense fandom that is associated with both the, the McElroy brothers and, um, and and Griffin's work, you know, both with Griffin and even the stuff he did outside of that. Um, like this demand that has been pervasive for, for you know, proof for receipts, um, like um, just try putting yourself in the, in the, the shoes yeah. of 
you know, the women that, for you know, felt the need to share something as this sort of snowballed forward, like, what it feels like to, like, this idea of, like, why wasn't it, if this was known for a while and sort of whispered, right. why didn't it come out sooner? It's like, imagine being the person to step forward in a community in which someone is beloved and being the one person to sort Not of... Not just beloved, but beloved and... For a very up. specific reason of, like, they right. are an inclusive, you know... Social safe justice. This is what a good man looks like. This is what a good man looks, like. Good man looks know, like. Exactly. exactly. And being the one person to come forward and say, well, you know, four years ago this happened to me. Like, that is a, a very scary thing to do, especially when yeah. that's probably the reason you you might have gotten involved was because you were a fan of that person. Like, there's so many complicated because, reasons that right, someone doesn't come forward. Felt unlike the shitty people in Gamergate because he felt like he was actually a part of the community that was like he felt like he was part of the community and not just somebody who was making videos right because he felt like someone who you could trust and like that's the part that that second step is just like the fucking worst bit of it um and that's why this stuff happens the way it does where totally. it becomes a snowball and you know the uh you know like women i've been talking to you know related yep. to all of this stuff like the reason those people start to feel comfortable coming forward is because other people came forward yes. it, like builds a wall that they can all hold on to and mm -hmm. and feel as though they're not one target that's going to get hit on one side from an intense fan community in which you'll have certain actors that don't want to believe it and want to tear down right. that person. And then, you know, there's the very real Gamergate side of this in which the folks that are still involved in 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 that uh, sort of co those their own communities are using this as a way to drive a wedge between um, right. other, other existing communities in which it, one person comes forward and then starts taking it from two different sides um, in, in a way that is really intense, is personal, yeah. and uh, given the potential trauma involved for those people when they experience the thing, and then having to performative go through that trauma again right. to explain it to people, like you just have to let you you have to let that go. Like the curiosity, the desire to see right. proof is 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 I understand it. Or I, even I get to it. know, I, I get the curiosity. Like even even beyond. Even before I would say, oh, I, I I want proof. I think there are for a lot of people just like, oh, tell me what happened. Right. I'll believe what you tell me. Just right. tell me what happened. Right, I right. get that curiosity. Um, I get it because one of the things that's happened over the last week or the last four days has been people have come to us privately and said, hey, this, 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 and this. And like, oh, shit. Like, I thought I had a good picture of this. Yes. I did not have a good picture of yeah. this. I thought and, – and that also is part of how more people can come out and feel comfortable coming out to build this wall to say like, hey, here is the, here is the, the, the brick wall that is from all of our little bricks makes up a big, bigger picture of what happened here or what sort of things were happening is because suddenly people can come out and say like, oh, she came out and told her story. They came out and, t and told their story. I can continu continue to tell the story because part of the story isn't just this one thing happened and this one thing happened. It's this stream of things happened. This whole set of things happened and the scope is the story in some sense. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, it reminds me a lot, and I, I keep going back to YouTube to some degree because I like was in a fan community years ago. Uh, Alex Day is the guy who I keep coming back to, who I thought was just like the sweetest dude on the internet, who was just like, boy, what a like what a nice guy. Um, like fluffy hair, like cardigans, like very presented as being the sort of person who, if I was in a room with him, I would not have to pretend to be more macho than I was. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like the sort of person who 
is has moved past alpha male bullshit. The sort of person who did lots of videos with women, who he was friendly with, like flirty, but but very like boy next door again, like you yeah. said. And then like it, the charges came to him, or, or you know that that revealed that you know there were allegations made about sexual harassment, sexual abuse, sexual assault that were like devastating um, at the time because it it was just oh he took complete advantage of this image to hurt people, uh, and it's like oh I used to watch every one of the videos that this dude put out. Now I'm not going to – I can't even look at him. Um, and also it was weird. He like shaved all his hair off as if to lean in. It was the worst. Oh, ugh, God. Ugh. Like, Jesus, yeah. It's one of those things where, where but I think for a lot of people this is going to be a moment for them to remember what their relationship to celebrity and to content creation in, in the modern era looks like – what it looks like. I think this is also really illustrative of why adopting the vocabulary mm-hmm. of – codes of law for your standards Mm. for like you hold people for like interpersonal relationships and expectations within a community is really inappropriate like innocent until proven guilty uh or the presumption of innocence innocence, is something you are legally entitled to uh under our code of laws and there's a really specific (laughs) meaning and intent uh for courtroom proceedings uh for criminal court proceedings not even civil law but like but criminal proceedings and you see the same thing happening with like how we how censorship gets bandied about. Totally. And the thing is, these are these are uh, legal statutes that exist for a certain reason. But communities, people, businesses, uh, anything right. happening on the interpersonal level doesn't need to be held to that standard, and arguably shouldn't. There's a lot of stuff that you will never be able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is is, is truly like. Um, problematic or sketchy, however you want to phrase it, but there's a lot of stuff you're never going to like, pr- like prove to that standard. Right? Doesn't and- mean that p- communities are not allowed to reach a conclusion yep. and decide how they want to proceed from there based on the facts and based on things that maybe haven't been like out in the court of law. But are and may not even be known. criminal. That's the right. other yeah. thing here, right? Is that like a community can decide and a business can decide, like, oh, the behavior you're doing is not behavior I align with. Like this is this is not sex positivity. This is sexual manipulation. This is you know throwing your power around unjustly. Uh, in the same way that like like if you started Danielle, if you started giving away any Steam code that you that we received <laughs> just to like random people you knew, and I got wind of that, and I was like, Danielle, why are you doing that? Like, what are you doing? If you're just giving like those are for coverage, you have to use those you're, for coverage. I'm Steam code Santa Claus. No, that's, that's not my your, new thing. It's not allowed. And then you kept doing it. Yeah, I'd be like, I we have to take. I have to take some sort that's of action. An issue. Here. It's an issue. Yeah. It's a wildly different issue. Yes, yes. It's a much lower stakes issue. <laughs> Um, but it is a sort of thing where, like, there are things – it's not criminal. I wouldn't sue you. I wouldn't bring you to court. I wouldn't right. – there's nothing that would happen in that. But there are ways uh, – there are ways and reasons to to kind of um, – police is, like, the wrong word here. But, like, to, to decide, like, who who do you want to represent you? To make business decisions. To, to what degree yeah. is someone a liability? Um, and and to make not even just just business decisions, but also I think about our moderation teams that do an incredible job on our forms and on our our fan discord, where it's like, well, this person isn't doing anything illegal, but they're making this space hostile for for the rest of the people here. They are like acting in bad faith. 
They are like not using you know content warnings when they when they put stuff in the for, in the in the forms or on the chat. Like there are all sorts of reasons why you, why you can say I'm distancing myself from these people, and it's it it often doesn't have to be about like I have receipts. It can literally just be the stuff that is here that is not a smoking gun is enough for us to yeah. to make that decision. And oh, it is yeah. it is tough. The one thing I would want to say. At the end, at the end, no, yeah. we're at the end. There's no, this totally. obviously an ongoing conversation, right. but it's uh, it's okay to be horny. It's yep. okay to be sexy. Totally. It's okay to be sex positive. Mm-hmm. It's okay to flirt within boundaries, within certain <laughs> boundaries, <laughs> and to have boundaries yeah. and to communicate about boundaries. And uh, it, it's real good to know where those boundaries are, right. and real good to communicate with the people that you're talking to about these uh, things. Uh, yeah, and like frankly, if you feel like someone is using your sex positivity to get something from you, like yeah, I, I don't know if hearing these words helps at all, but like draw that draw that line. Yeah. You're know not, your boundaries, even you especially not, if you're young and yes. you maybe haven't had all of the education in the world right. about this stuff, which I don't think most Americans do. Have great sex ed about consent and, totally and necessarily not. and about what boundaries are and what they should be and what you're comfortable with so that's that's the sort of thing i would really urge you to seek out some good resources totally. on on how to sort of and that's hopefully one of like the small positives and when these situations yeah. occur is it's instructive to understand these dynamics and to see like if that's happening to you maybe that can you know you see these exchanges you see how this plays out and you can totally. better recognize what may be happening in your life or your friend's life or you know just you seeing seeing how it plays out in other scenarios can give people a template to better understand how things play out in other scenarios. Totally. I mean, like, that's like, you even look at something just like bad flirting, right? Like white boys <laughs> texting is like right. a, a thing that on its face is just a funny collection of shitty dudes who are bad at flirting. But it also ends up being a, a resource that lets people know, oh, there are, this is like the sort of behavior that exists in the world. I'm not expected to to listen when someone says send me. He's imposing certain things. I don't on have you. to be. Yes. It's not sex negative to determine the degree to which I want to you know hook up with somebody or or to to flirt with them or to whatever. Right? Like you can both be like extremely sex positive and also draw hard boundaries and be with uncomfortable with something. Totally. You're always allowed so, to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Sex safely. That's all I'm saying. Sex out there. safely. Like, let, let yourself be in control of those situations. Absolutely. If you can be, you know, don't be afraid of being in control. That's right. I slam my fist on the table. Don't be afraid of being in control of your own sex life. Right. Or consensually letting go of control. Consensually let go of control, but that is negotiated. Make sure that's negotiated and you're comfortable. We should just have a show. I'm really confused now. (laughs) (sighs) There's some good resources for you, Patrick. Am I in control right now? Let me, me, good good sex positive. Yes. It's a collaborative sense of control on this call right now. All right. (laughs) <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> the show what? The show notes. Okay. I don't know why I said it like that. I didn't it's mean fine. to say it like that. <sighs> All right. I think we've, we've worked our way through this. We know people still have questions about this. We know that there are people who are in a position now where no amount of words from us will make them feel more comfortable about the stuff that they watch and the stuff that they loved. And I know that there are people who are listening right now who are like, no, fuck you. Like, he's you show me the receipts still. Right. Um I just want you to be open-hearted about the people who are targeted. Like, that is really what it comes down to for me, the people who were harassed. Um, it takes so much courage to step forward and say anything, even privately, even to a friend, yes. even alone. Even say, vaguely. Even vaguely. Even like, oh, that guy. That It takes courage to say that when you know that other people like him so much. And like, 
so, you know, for those people, if you have been in one of those situations, like, I applaud your bravery. And if you're in one of those situations and you can't feel like you can come forward, I also, you know, I'm rooting for you, not so that one day you can, but so that you can at least find peace and, like, decide what you want to do and Absolutely. not feel like you're living in fear. Uh, it fucking sucks. So it, it is one of those things that to some degree felt inevitable in our community that we would have to face one of these because it happens in so many other communities. I think I held out hope that by being that that the media organization side of this would prevent what happened in YouTube, what happened in other less it happened in Tumblr, it happened in Live Journal back in the day. People with big live journals used to throw that weight around, believe it or not, to be shitty. And like it always will happen. It always will. There will always be shitty people who take advantage of power so long as there's power and not enough processes to keep that power checked. Um, but I at least hope that like this this has been a learning experience for us inside of this community. I don't know. Any other big final words? I'm gonna pivot to the end of the show now. <laughs> Thanks to Bowen. I'm gonna modify my ending today too. So are you? Yeah. What's yeah? What are you What are you modifying? What I'm you? just gonna say be good. Oh, that's good. I think be good and be, be good. good to other people. <laughs> that's a good one. Be good to other people. We'll come back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on the internet at waypointadvice.com. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com/waypoint, Facebook.com. Slash Waypoint Vice. You can find me at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Patrick? Find me at Patrick Kopik. Rob. At Rob Zachney. Danielle. At Danielle R.I. And what is it? I guess actually shout out to Bowen for letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Shout outs uh, to to Rob, our audio producer now, who, who has begun podcast, uh, producing the podcast for us. Uh, and shout outs to you for listening to <laughs> the high highs and low lows of the, <laughs> the August very Waypoint, real Waypoint, Waypoint Radio. Radio. Jesus. <laughs> what do we tell them? We tell them to be good and be good to other people. Sounds good. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.